Hey, welcome to another episode of My Creative District Podcast, where we talk about how to use your passion for the performing arts to build a platform that you can draw an audience to, that you can make an impact to that audience and monetize that audience. And today I'm talking with DJ Adam L, Worldwide Dance Challenge's very own DJ, along with front runner for an 80s cover group called 16 Candles and how they have been able to stay relevant and do big shows like the Rosie O'Donnell show, doing the halftime show for the Chicago Bears, being on Disney, ABC, and so much more. You're definitely going to want to check out this episode. Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Hey guys, today I am interviewing DJ Adam L. And we will be discussing how he really learned to embrace his authentic self and how that has landed him to do shows with the halftime show of Chicago Bears to the Rosie O'Donnell show and so much more. But before I begin, I want to remind you that my creative district and worldwide dance challenge has just reopened enrollment into the worldwide dance Academy. If you know anyone that would be interested in learning from instructors from across the globe on how to build a platform, monetize it, and grow it all through your passion of dance, have them visit WorldWideDanceChallenge.com forward slash academy to learn more. Now, I'm super excited to chat, man. Um, you know, it's super cool because you and I actually go way back, and uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more. But, um, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, you and I danced at the same dance studio, and now, you know, you've been doing music for over a decade, not only as a DJ, but as a frontline guy for uh, 16 Candles, your 80s pop and new wave tribute uh, group that you're a part of. Living in Chicago now, you're doing 150 shows a year, and, uh, and, and you guys are staying busy. You guys are crushing it. Uh, we also have the privilege of calling you our resident DJ at Worldwide Dance Challenge, so super excited about that. But, uh, man, welcome to the show. I, it's good to be here. I uh, I almost slept through our last uh, appointment, so I'm glad to be finally be here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it was. It's been a long time coming. This conversation has been a long time coming. I, you know, I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember what was our first like. Do you remember the the song that you and I first danced to uh, when, we, when we did our thing together? What song was that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was so we were. At, at Medill Dance Studio, and I think I was—I've always been a big music person. I've been DJing for as long as I can remember, and um, we were trying to pick some songs. And I was like, "What about a song, uh, Case of the X?" It's like, "What you gonna do when you can't say no when the finish the show?" Yeah. Like that album—that was and that video. That video was so hot too at the time, and so I was like, "Yeah, it was just—it was fun because um, Jennifer Medill was such a sweetheart, and like she was." 
you know, open to uh, our ideas too. And so I was like, what if we do this? And then I like, edit, I enjoy editing music too. So I made like an edit for us. And yeah, I think that was the jam. <laughs> See, I didn't, and, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that you did the edit behind that and stuff. So big shout out to uh, Jen Medill, but, but uh, yeah, man. And it's crazy because I mean, you went on, that was, that was in, that was in Duluth and you, Duluth, Minnesota, you ended up moving away. So um, I, I kind of want to go back though a little bit before then you know, has, has music always been something that was like, you knew that you knew that you knew that you were going to do, or was that something you kind of just tested the waters with as you were growing up? I, yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, from the very beginning for as long as I can remember just singing, um, my parents met kind of in between, between high school and um, college and started dating. And when they were in their community college, uh, they're, um, getting their, associates at uh rainy river in like at the, just outside of international falls minnesota they were in a cover band together called sunshine and so my dad was the piano player and kind of uh leading the band and my mom was one of the singers and she'd play guitar and they would gig out at different clubs around the area and you know sing top 40 tunes and so it's and they've always been big music fans so as, as long far back as i can remember we were always singing my mom was in church choir so she would bring us to um she bring us to church pra choir practice with her and sit us down on the pew and she's like don't move be quiet <laughs> okay cool so i think that was a big foundation for me it was learning how to that was back when we lived in fargo uh learning how to deconstruct parts of you know of music so you, you know they would they'd single out the altos and have them sing their part and they'd single out the tenors and then they'd bring it all back together and be like oh you know I was goofing off and paying attention to something else, but I think in my mind, I just kind of absorbed that. I was like, oh, that's how that works. Cool. Okay. So I've always been able to, one of my favorite things has is to pick out harmony and just, yeah. So I've always had that ability. And I think, yeah, a lot of my music's um, background came from my parents. Absolutely. Now I know that, you know, obviously you're a front, you're a front man for your eighties group. You do a lot of vocals, but when did like the DJ stuff start to come into the picture? Um, that started to come in I, well, in middle school. As soon as we started having dances, uh, I went to a small private Catholic school. Um, uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to go to it through like scholarship stuff. My mom, you know, and my dad, we had five kids. They were both working full-time jobs and going back to school to finish their uh, master's. And so I can only imagine how hectic things were for them, but you know, they were, they're, they wanted to ask education in smaller class sizes and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so they were able to, uh, able to, you know, get us some scholarship stuff to, uh, the school. And once, but, you know, it, it was a small private Catholic school. You're behaving, you're, uh, you know, religion was the focus and that was good. And I'm so grateful for that you know, for that background, but we didn't have a, a choir. Uh, we didn't have a, a school choir. We didn't have a theater program. We didn't have any of these things that I were inside me and that I knew that I wanted to show people. And, you know, so I think, and I was always a big music fan. So I think once the school dances started happening, I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, where, who's, who's DJing this dance? Are you paying people? Cause we'll do it for free. So my brother and I grabbed our parents stereo console and, you know, two big speakers. This is kind of a smaller yeah. gym <laughs> that, that they had. And we just, you know, we overheated it a couple times and, uh, <laughs> but we're just, you know, we're playing, uh, you know, 
what was that like? That was oh, that was early '90s when all that dance music was really, really starting to come into the mainstream. So we were playing Ace like and bass and all that kind of Ace stuff. Ace of bass, yeah, all of that, like all of that good, like you know, 1991, two, three, four, like yeah, all that kind of stuff. And so, and then once I think once R and B and hip hop really started kind of like saturating the mainstream too. Finally, like it was yeah, all that stuff too. It was fun to be able to have that plethora of music to pick from the mtv party to go uh discs were an inspiration for me because i was like wow they mixed that song to the other song it was and it's flawless like how'd they do that and i was like i it really got me interested in wanting to uh to do that and then also just you know to share the good music that i knew that maybe other people didn't know to be able to get the joy from that music that i got and share that with other people i think has always been my main goal for that yeah that's awesome so now obviously you go through high school like what was what would you say was the most you know the first step you really made in you know making music your primary focus your career what what you know when did you make that step yeah um like i said in middle school there wasn't a theater program there wasn't many musical opportunities um i was fortunate enough to be able to uh join the choir through the church and do music stuff um, through the cathedral um, while I was waiting patiently to get into high school. I remember having some emotional breakdowns, you know, in middle school and these older teachers that were kind of looking back younger. I mean, they were younger than I am right now. They were probably in their 20s and they're teaching these classes and, you know, and seeing these kids. And I remember one kind of pulling me aside and being like, hey, look, you just have to be patient. Like, I know it's not easy, but once you get to high school, you're going to blossom. You're going to have all these opportunities that you don't have here. And you just, that's, you just have to be patient. And, you know, what does a sixth grader know about patience (laughs) at that point? So I, once I got to high school, you know, coming from a class of 30 people and going into a class of uh, 200 people or so, that's a guesstimate. I, you know, I was like, oh, there's all these new people. Nobody, nobody knows who I am. I don't know who a lot of these people are, but I know that I can sing good and I like to sing. And when I do sing, people react in favorably. And I know that I like to DJ, you know, those kinds of things. So, and same with the theater. So I took those kinds of passions and was finally able to apply them. The first thing was that they got a, they had a talent show uh, twice a year. And that floored me because I was like, okay, cool. What am I going to, well, what am I going to do here? So I, I was a, I've always been a super big Janet Jackson fan and um, was obsessed with the choreography, like the Tina Landon choreography from the If video. And so I, I love that song. And so I did this, I auditioned for the talent show with this routine. And I was like, hey, you know, I um, walk on stage all sleepy with a boombox and sit down. I'm like, I'll be right down, mom. And I push play on the boombox and it's just me getting ready for school, putting my clothes on and then dancing to This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. I'm just dancing. None of it, none of it was choreographed. Um, I was just winging it. And and then the song broke down into If, and I started doing the, the choreography moves from that and the crowd went off. And I at that point, you know, I, I got a lot of positive feedback and people that I didn't know coming up to me and saying like, hey man, that was dope. Like that was that was really cool what you did up there, man. I couldn't do that. And so that felt really good. And I was finally able to tap into those creative, um, you know, those creative corners and really kind of spend time in them and, and start to cultivate them really, you know, 
And where did you go? Like, and, and I mean, obviously go through, you go through middle school, you go through high school, you know, when, when would you say was that moment where, um, well, not even a moment. What was the part where like all of a sudden it went from, you know, it went from this dream to now it's a profession. That So, yeah. So once, you know, I did a couple of years of, of college and I was not ready to concentrate on schooling. I was trying to do um, music education and be a choir director because I had such a great choir experience um, at East High School with the choral program there. And so I wanted to translate that. I had such a good experience. I wanted to do that. So I was going to school for a couple of years and then it just wasn't working. I was more concerned about, again, meeting this new batch of people that are around and socializing and doing those kinds of things. So eventually I had kind of made the decision. My brother uh, had lived here for a couple of years and he kind of suggested, he was like my older brother. He's like, well, why don't you just move here? If you're looking to switch it up, like I'd always wanted to do music, but I knew that if I stayed in Duluth, that it just, it wasn't right um, for, for me at the time. Um, I was struggling a lot with, with sexuality and, um, you know, some, I would, you know, what I look back on now is, you know, substance abuse and dealing with friends who were also in that same boat of like, well, there's nothing to do, so let's just party about it. And that's fun, but it's like, it's not a party if it happens every night, you know what I mean? Then it's, then that, that, that turns into a, that turns into a completely different thing. And so being able to step out of that um, and move, make the move to Chicago was the first, first step in that, just kind of wiping a slate and being able to be like, huh, what do I really, what do I really want to focus on? Um, you know, and it's always been music. So my first instinct was to look in the, um, there's a newspaper here. I wanted to, I needed a job to sustain myself. So I got a job as a, uh, a server at all night diner in the, this entertainment district, uh, the Belmont nightlife district. And there's bars that are open till 4am. And, you know, I see some close at two, some close at four. So I'd get the double waves and I'd see all these creative people and, you know, people who are staying up all night and, and just, this whole nightlife scene, which really got me into more of the DJ aspect of it. But um, long story longer, in <laughs> addition to that, um, a buddy of mine had lived here previously, and he's like, if you want to find a band, look in the reader. They've got uh, musicians wanted ads. And so I was looking through the reader on a slow, um, slow shift and saw an ad that said, uh, sing 80s music, make money, have fun. And I thought all of those things sounded wonderful. <laughs> and so I responded to that ad and um, chit-chatted a little bit and had to figure out how in the world I was going to get out to the suburbs on my own without a car. So I took a bus to a train, to another train, to uh, and then I realized I over, uh, over, you know, missed my stop by one stop. I went over, so I hopped in a taxi cab and took it to this recording spot or this uh, rehearsal spot. And uh, yeah, they're like, what do you know? And I was like, well... I know sunglasses at night. I know uh, Footloose, like Rio, like Duran Duran, like all these. My brother was a big 80s fan in the 90s. And he was, uh, once the, the 90s hit, he was buying up all the 80s compilations. And so I really absorbed a lot of that through him. You know, and, and that at that point, I was still really into like more dance music and, and pop tunes. And he was getting into more of like the alternative and kind of new wave stuff. And so I was hearing Tears for Fears drifting out of his bedroom and not appreciating it at the time. You know, but once I had that opportunity to really dig into that, um, that decade, it just, there's just nothing like it. Um, 
yeah. And so anyways, <laughs> that was the, uh, that was kind of the catalyst was moving here and being able to kind of wipe my slate and then finding that ad. And these guys had already been doing their thing. They had been, um, you know, working up the ladder in the cover band scene here, which is robust and so many bands and so many great musicians and really cool people um, playing club gigs, uh, you know, playing outdoor festivals, which was something that I didn't really know was a thing either. And, um, and so I was fortunate enough to be um, dropped into a, this a opportunity where these guys knew where to book. They had the established, uh, you know, they had the established relationships with the club owners and festival bookers. And so I was kind of like, I got really lucky in that aspect, I think, but it also helped me learn a lot about it. Now, it's one thing to, and this is what I kind of want to dig into. So you guys, you, you come into this band, 16 Candles, um, and it's, and like you said, it's, it, it was a blessing. It was a blessing that you, um, that you had a chance to, uh, you know, kind of fall into a system that had already been an oiled machine. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are plenty of people that have fell into a system of well-oiled machines and because of egos or everything else, um, they die by the vine. There's musicians that are popping up with hot tracks. We know them as one hit wonders. They hit, they hit these pop, these great tracks. They might have a great show. They might have a great year, but you guys have been going solid for 10 plus years, 17, yeah, 17 (laughs) years. So that's, I mean, that's crazy. So, so, um, how do how do you feel like you guys have stayed relevant and been able to continue the success instead of just being another 80s cover band that died on the vine? You know, I don't know. I think it just is there's an well, just like you said, I think the ego can and will destroy if you let it run amok. And I think that's one of the biggest things about our group is that nobody's here for the ego stroke. Uh, we all, um, understand, you know, the ins and outs of the business. And, and that's one of the things that we've always reminded ourselves and each other about is like, man, are we lucky to be able to do this, man? Are we fortunate to be able to, you know, I mean, play you know other people's music essentially, uh, and share that and then have so many people continue to get excited about it. Like it's such a, unique thing and i think just by um preparedness and talent like these guys are monster players uh you know i they're all they've all studied music um they've all um you know run circuits with original groups and cover groups and and so i think it's just that knowing the inside of the business but even if you don't i think just having your ego you know in your back pocket, like, well, wait, wait that's not the right, <laughs> that's not the right application, but like having it checking it and not having it like be the focus. Like I'm not doing this, uh, because I want fame and, um, recognition. I'm doing this because man, do I love these songs and man, do I want to share these with other people and bring that kind of joy to other people through music, whether it be original music, whether it be cover music, it's, I, I think that's, sharing that music and sharing that connection is the main thing. And I think, you know, 17 years of this, we've had a couple slight lineup changes and everyone has brought, everyone that's been in has brought their own personality and uniqueness to the group that has really helped the dynamic. And it's changed every time that we've changed, but I don't know. I, 
interacting with fans and and really kind of um, making them part of the show versus like, hey, we're up here playing, watch us. I think, yeah, I think that's awesome because I, you know, I think there's been this shift and I feel like the entertainment business is still going through this shift. We've been taught that as the entertainers, it's all about us because the posters are all about us. The promotion's all about us. The music is, you know, who I've worked with and what name I've, I've brushed shoulders with. And, and, you know, there's been a shift, especially in the entrepreneur space, the business space, there's a shift in going from, it's all about the business to it's all about the, who you're serving. And it's all, instead of trying to sell, serve first. And what you're really talking about is that that's why you guys have been successful because you're putting the egos aside, which is all about you. Right. And that's why so many bands, I mean, you look at some of these bands, Rolling Stones, you know, uh, you, 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 you take a listen to, um, I mean, even, even, uh, you hear stories of like bands as old as like the Beatles and stuff, people talking about how it looked one way on stage but it was completely different in the back end because it was so much ego clashing and everybody wanted to be the star. And, 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 and so it became about, it became about the band or about the, about the person, right? What you're talking about is we are here to serve the audience. And, and there's something to be said about that when that is your primary focus, that is how you stay relevant. And not only serve the audience, but I think, but serve each other as well. How do, and, you know, for the greater good, like, um, in lifting each other up in that situation, because it is, a, it's a band, it's, it's not an individual thing. And so I think that has been really important too, just to be able to like, you know, um, not, I've always been a big believer in, um, that I'm not better or worse than anyone else that we're all humans and we all have different experiences that make us who we are and who in the world am I to judge any of that, you know? And so I don't think that, you know, I don't think that I'm better than my, you know, piano player or guitar player. You know, it's like, I, I am nothing without those guys. I mean, I'm something sure, but like, but you know, but it's like the, we all have our, you know, place in the group that kind of makes the group, neither one of us is the group individually. So I think that's also been a really, and we've, we've kind of feature each other, we feature each other's strengths on stage. And that's a really big part of it too, is, you know, kind of focusing on that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's kind of that body reference, right? It's kind of like the, the, you know, the, the hand can't say to the arm, I don't need you or vice versa, right? Like we, we all do need, you might be the lead singer, quote unquote. And that's often the one that is kind of the, you know, you take a look at, you take a look at, uh, you know, groups like uh, Maroon 5. I love yeah. their music, but sure. you know, unless you really are deeping, diving deep, name one other person in the group besides Adam Levine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. It's, you know, they're usually the focus, right? Yep. And I think, I think what you're talking about too, is that, um, it's, you know, the, the, one of my favorite lines off of, uh, remember the movie drumline with Nick Cannon was one band, one sound, <laughs> yes. right? So yeah. it's, it's so true. So now, I mean, what, uh, you know, what are some of the things that, again, you've been outperforming and doing, you know, you've been doing things for a long time. Obviously your resume includes, you know, hanging out and, and, you know, 
performing uh, at a private party for Rosie O'Donnell, right? Um, you've been, you've done shows for Google, ABC, Disney, you know, selling how uh, the house of blues and, and live nation and, and all those kinds of stuff. And so you've been around, you've been doing it for a minute. And um, I know one of the things that you talk about a lot is one of the things that's helped you get there is not only to stay humble or not only to value everybody, but this idea of authenticity. And I'm starting to hear that more and more. So when you say live out your authentic self, how is that? Why do you feel like that is such an important part of building a successful career in the, you know, in the, in the performing business? Yeah. I just, I think that everyone has something to share. Everyone's got their own individual, um, you know, strengths and gifts. And I think that you know, if you're trying to be, I mean, there's, there's one thing to be inspired. Um, and, you know, I think as any artists, you go through different bouts of like inspiration and, uh, you know, uh, crippling self-doubt <laughs> it's back and forth. It's, there's, it's, it's, it's hard to keep a balance. And so, um, I, I just think that, you know, what, you know, asking yourself those questions, like, what do I have to say? Um, I was listening to, uh, you and, Rona Bennett talk about um, introducing. Uh, she, I think, she was talking about like introducing kind of spirituality and um, not only spirituality but just self being and self awareness and self care into your routine of who you are and and what you're doing. And I think that's so important too, is to have you know there's there's a you know there's a checklist right there's a, there's a whole checklist of things that that, you know, more or less, you know, on paper equal, okay, this is like well-being and whatnot. It wasn't until I had a voice teacher who kind of introduced me to, she's like, okay, you're not just a singer, you're a vocal athlete. And once you start treating it that way, then you'll really have a shift in how you start to think about what you're doing as an artist. And, you know, once I started thinking about my diet and, um, you know, started thinking about my body as my instrument and you know those kinds of things and then treating my body as such like i wouldn't leave my guitar out in the rain or uh you know in this you know smoke filled room or you know, those kinds of things like so i think uh, it, it, you know and so once you are able to kind of ask yourself the hard questions about who am i what direction do i ultimately want to take what is my purpose of of doing what i do then you can really kind of like find out who you are and share that with other people because there's a lot of people I think out there who are struggling with those questions. And if they see someone who's at least, maybe they don't know all the answers to those questions, but if they at least, um, you know, have an idea of this is who I am right now and this is what I want to say, I think that's important because then people can relate with it. And because everyone has different experiences, then I think people can, you know, they'll see someone out there maybe with a similar experience and say, Hey, you know, I, I relate to that. And that's going to help me process whatever I need to process to maybe get to my fullest potential. Yeah. I think what you're, what you're, what you're describing too, is that understand that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you might be doing music, but what you're doing through your music can be a whole lot more than that. I think we've all had, 
either had of our own experiences or feel or, or know somebody that has had experiences with, you know, falling in love with a song or falling in love with a performance or falling in love with something that really spoke to a time in their life um, that they were struggling. They did some more research on the, the creator of that performance. And all of a sudden that person's life is now speaking to that person, that fan in a, in a way that, you know, they never imagined. Right. And I think we have to understand that, yes, we are in the entertainment business, but we're really in the serving business and uh, you know, we're there to serve. And so I guess that kind of off that tail end of things, you know, I'm sure you've done, you've done these big shows and inevitably, you know, when you do big shows, people start to know who you are. You get approached by, by people or you watch people uh, that you know are, are in the business or getting started in the business. What's one of the things that you notice constantly that people are doing wrong that's actually hurting them from building this platform they're trying to create instead of helping them? That's a tough question. I, I mean, I can certainly point out things that <laughs> people should be doing. I don't know. Um, I, um, I mean, I think if you're not, um, yeah, I, I, just what we were talking about, um, you know, to the point that we were talking about earlier is just if you're focusing on the fame aspect of it and really, really wanting to get famous, what does that mean? And, and is, is fame this like this thing that we should be putting on a pedestal versus, you know, sharing, sharing art, sharing positivity and sharing joy. I think, I think I've seen people out there for, yeah, again, like the ego reasons kind of trying to do their thing and focusing too much on that. And I don't know. I mean, if that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> well, let's, let's, I, let's transition that then and go to, so, you know, let's go to the, you, you said, I know what people should be doing. What are those things that you know that people should be doing that maybe they're not? I think maybe just, you know, project to project, focusing on putting love into the thing that you're working on, putting all of your attention into your art. I read this quote once that said, your art deserves your attention. And I, I think that's so important. Um, you know, so if people are focusing on just really trying to, to get somewhere fast, that's not going to happen if you're not, if you're not putting your, you know, your attention into practicing and honing your craft and, you know, thinking about, uh, different ways to reach, you know, the people that you're trying to reach. If you're trying to gain followers, if you're trying to um, gain attention, then you want to be able to reach people. So just taking that time to, um, you know, to really kind of focus on what you're doing and put the, put the effort into making it sound, you know, extra or not say if it, music or not, just putting the effort into really, really making it, um, you know, making it be an expression of who you are versus trying to be someone else or comparing yourself to someone else. Um, you know, and instead of focusing on embracing what you have to share and what you have to give. Now I'm curious because we live in a, we live in a day and age where, you know, everybody's putting out tons of content and 
I'm curious, where do you land on the quality over quantity uh, argument? Are you one that says, you know, you need to stay relevant by putting out a bunch of content all the time? Or does, do you guys focus more on, you know, putting out spots of content that are really good and just promote that? I would probably be more drawn to the latter um, as far as like, you know, putting in the time and the quality, even if it's not, not even if it's not putting it, putting in the time and um, effort into making the one thing that you're focusing on, like really good versus, I don't know. I, I, I get lost in, in too much content personally. I mean, you know, there's so much out there to begin with. I'd rather get, ex, you know, get excited about uh, someone I haven't heard from, from a, a while. Hey, what is it? What are they up to right now? Versus like, you know, there's a lot of um, people who are putting stuff out all the time. Depends on what your content is too. Depends on if it's music, if it's, you know, we, for a long time with 16 candles, we were sharing, we became a meme factory. Our guitar player, Dave is our, um, um, our booking agent and our business manager. And he is brilliant. And he for a long time was like seeing, okay, well this is, you know, pictures being shared. This is the algorithm that's being picked up. So he was programming three memes a day to come out of our page. And, uh, and so people were sharing a lot of these memes and it was going okay for a while, but then we shared this one that had we shared before and it just, something happened and it kept getting shared and it blew up and it was the right time lightning in a bottle. And so we were like, okay, all these people are now being drawn to our page that aren't even here necessarily for our music, but because now we have all these page likes, we're able to like get out to the people. So, and also with our shows, our, um, our photographers, uh, JPM photography, they would come to every show of ours and they would every time they would, they'd be out in the crowd interacting with people. So, you know, really getting that interaction makes me want to come back for more content and makes me want to come back, you know, cause they would, they would take a picture of people in the crowd and be like, Hey, here's a card. These were the pictures are going to be, go look it up, like our Facebook page, that kind of stuff. And they were just the sweetest. So it's like them interacting to our fans you know, for us essentially while we were on stage doing our thing made, helped us build our, our brand as well. Huge. It was really good. And I, I love that because you're talking once again, it's, it's just re reinforcing and reaffirming that whole, like uh, what John Maxwell talks about. He says, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, build a team. And you know, even though you guys were crushing it on stage, you had somebody in the crowd that was going around. And again, what does everybody want? Everybody wants good pictures of themselves at a memorable moment. And we all know that concerts are memorable moments, right? So if you have, if you have somebody that's going around and taking quick pictures of you having fun at your memorable moment, oh, and by the way, it's probably going to be better than if you were just hanging, having a selfie stick, because these guys actually know what they're doing. So it's going to be a good picture of yourself. Um, and, and so that's helping your audience and ultimately doing the right thing. And this is what business this is why you need to think business wise is that what ultimately you could have just given the picture to them, but you were smart by bringing, by posting it on the social media page and saying, Hey, go like us. And that's where you can get your picture. How are you all, you know, you got to think of all the ways that you possibly can to think creatively to bring a people along with your journey. I, I think that's, that's freaking genius. And, and <laughs> yeah. how, how long did you guys do that for? I mean, I think we've only maybe been doing it 
for the past, well, don't quote me on this, eight or nine years, Jim and Becky Obos, their JPM photography uh, out of um, the Chicago area here, they are super big music fans. They came out and started um, kind of doing that for our shows. Actually, we met Jim. We were, were playing a, a gig at the, one of the uh, one of the Tilted Kilt uh, restaurant venues that was out here, and uh, he was the photographer, house photographer there. And so we kind of met him through that, and then he um, started coming around with us and taking pictures for that and. Yeah. And then, then through that, he also started getting, I think people were kind of catching on and he started getting, they started getting other gigs for other bands around the area to do the same thing. It's, it's really a brand building thing. I always joke about it on stage too. I'm like, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Jim and Becky Elbows. They're out there for JPM photography. Uh, you, know, you, can, you can check them out on our website. I was like Prof- professional portraits, uh, courtesy of 16 candles, you know, like it, it, just like you were saying, you know, you were offering, they're nice pictures. They're well lit. They're these, you know, Jim and Becky know what they're doing. And, so it come to be able to offer that as a service. And then, you know, that just drives, I don't know, it, it, it drives traffic to, you know, the social media aspects of it. And it just, it builds a brand too, because it, people know Jim and Jim and Becky from us and, and other bands. And so they know them as part of our band family. And that's really cool to have them be, um, you know, um, ambassadors for what we're doing because they believe in it just as much as we do. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, there's so much to take away from that because like you said, you, it's kind of this full circle thing, you know, they, you know, they saw you guys perform and obviously if they, to get them interested, you guys had to, you had to concentrate on your craft. Cause I think so many people are like, well, what do I concentrate on? Do I concentrate on my craft or what else, you know, or do I concentrate on this? Well, yes, you have to concentrate on the key is you have to concentrate on both. And I think too many people want to lean on the, 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 the talent side, which again, that is going to be what gets people to pay attention, but what's going to get them to stick around is how do you differentiate yourself? How do you continue the conversation? And all of that has to do with you understanding and getting very strategic on the back end of things. And, and what you guys were doing there is very strategic because you know that, you know, that, you know, when they come to get their pictures, you've also put out other quality content that they can consume that they can like, which is then ultimately going to drive them to more shows, buy more of your music, stream more of your music, all that kind of stuff. And then of course, you know, that in turn makes it easier for you. You can go, yeah, we got a half a million followers on our Facebook page. Can we come play at your venue? Yes. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, and that's how I think we word of mouth and, you know, um, being easy to work with and, uh, you know, those kinds of things to go such a long way. I mean, you know, you hear stories of bands coming in and just being complete jerks and just not treating people well. And so they don't get asked back, you know? And so I think we're all lucky to, in our band, we've always been, yeah, that's always been one of our main focuses is treat, treat the, uh, treat everyone the same, you know, treat every, you know, whether it be the person who is bringing us our, our food and our, and our drinks, uh, pre-show or, um, the booking agent who's booking us there or, you know, to, to the person who's working security, uh, you know, everyone is contributing, you know, to what's going on. So, you know, no one's, again, no one's more important than the other person because it's all part of the bigger picture. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, and, and that really can sum up the, the, 
the entire conversation of what you've been talking about is that the reason why you guys have been so successful, the reason why you've stuck around for 17 years, the reason why people are still going to shows, why your social media numbers are still growing is because um, you've really learned to understand the difference between serve and, and, and fame, right? If you serve well, your audience is going to become your, you know, you're a raving fan that's going to grow your platform for you when you really make it about you and, and feel and act like you, for some reason, have one, you're one niche better than somebody else because you're on that stage. Uh, your, your career has already got an end date on it. And, uh, I think that's so, I think that's so important, man. I, I, Adam, I just, I want to say thank you. It's been a lot of fun chatting with, uh, with you and, and just learning more about your journey and what you guys have been up to with 16 candles. Listen, if people want to find out more about you, um, they want to, they want to be able to uh, connect with you. What's the best way they can do that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, through our social media at 16 candles band, um, 16candlesband.com is our website that will have links to um, our Facebook and our Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, for my DJ stuff, I've got a, a Mixcloud page um, with a lot of uh, my stuff on there. Also, my SoundCloud has got a couple of tracks that I produced uh, on my own. And then, um, you know, my playlists of stuff that I enjoy listening to and whatnot. And uh, I've got uh, some original tunes as well on my, uh, on my YouTube channel, Adam LeBlanc. And as well as uh, on my SoundCloud through Adam LeBlanc as well. So yeah, awesome, awesome. We'll make a, we'll make a reference to those in the show notes so you guys can and check that out. But once again, Adam, just appreciate this conversation and and uh, being willing to share some value with our audience. Thank you for having me. It's always uh, it's always a nice uh, and inspirational time. I'm just chatting with you, with you, Jesse. So I really appreciate you having me. Thanks. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.